Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Red Sox On Deck podcast. I am your host, Bob Osgood, joined by Shelly Verstrate. We're part of the Over the Monster podcast network. Shelly, what's going on? How are you today? Um, I'm doing okay. Um, I mean, I'm currently watching like a Red Sox game, and they're actually winning, which is like crazy. Um, I've been there but before. I don't, yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I logged in to, to record this pod, um, apparently I'm joined by Pissed Off Bob. Yeah, Pissed Off Bob is here this week, and uh, I think normally I try to bring positive vibes to the podcast and just generally in life, but I don't know, that's been tough for me the last two weeks, and uh, I think that segues into the start of our show. First, just some maintenance and reminders. If you enjoy what we do here, please give us a five-star rating and review on any platform that you use to listen to the Over the Monster podcast, whether it's the On Deck podcast or the Over the Monster podcast with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner. We have the Red Seat with Jake Devereaux and Keaton DeRocher and the Precap Pod with Shelly and Keaton. Um, yeah, so pissed off bob is here and i don't know how you felt doing the precaps the last two weeks shelly are you having good vibes when you enter those rooms um i am not i i whenever i do the precap pods uh with keaton it really feels back that i'm back to the 2020 version of the red sox and that is not a good place to be 
No. We did one last week. We previewed the four-game series against Toronto, and I feel like we just had a, a nervous vibe going into it. We were looking at the pitching matchups. We were looking at how many games back they were in, in the loss column, and uh, I think that we had the right vibe in that room going into it, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We might be... Uh, kind of skewing towards a little more major league talk than we normally do, but hey, it's our show and it's Red Sox talk. We can do whatever the hell we want with it. But the two most important pieces of news this week both came from Worcester. And the first one is that Chris Sale had his final rehab start. He threw four and two-thirds innings, three hits, three walks. He struck out eight. He did not give up a run in Worcester on Saturday, uh, or for Worcester on the road, uh, through 90 pitches. And then the second one, we talked about Jairo Munoz a good amount last week towards the end of the episode. I kind of buried the lead till this week because at the time he had 25-26 game hitting streak that was breaking the record all time at Pawtucket slash Worcester. And that is now up to a 32 game hitting streak. And since we talked, we actually recorded, uh, I think it was Tuesday last week, in the eight, nine days since then, he's gone 15 for 40 with a three, so it's a 375 average, had a home run, three RBIs, and five runs, including a home run this afternoon in the Wednesday day game. Uh, he entered today hitting 388 since the start of July with only nine strikeouts in 135 plate appearances and 14 steals in those six weeks and is now hitting 336 since the start of June. So, Shelly, I'll start with you. Any thoughts on these two players who've been playing at AAA over the last week, or in Munoz's case, the whole season, uh, Chris Sale and Jairo Munoz. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to see uh, Sale again. Uh, sadly, I live in the MLB blackout for the Orioles game, so I'm not going to oh, see his right. first start. Uh, but I will be watching on game day and through Twitter. But I'm just ex- so excited to actually see him back. It's going to be just... like. Hopefully this will be like a, a just you know that kind of spark for the team to kind of get this get them out of their funk. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to see Sale again. Um, but then when it comes to Munoz, uh, gosh darn it, this guy is like a really really good hitter. Like he again, like he doesn't bring like a lot of power or whatever, but. He's just, like, really good, and he is just on a heater right now in AAA. Um, And I really just want to see him back in Boston. I I really don't care. The the, the thing that gives me a little bit of pause, he's not on the 40-man. So, honestly, you will have to to DFA someone to get him back on the 40-man. I think that's – honestly, I think that's the only reason that he's not in AAA – Right. But at this point, I don't care. We need a spark. This team just needs something. Give give us Chris Hale. Give us uh you know Yara Munoz because the protection that we're getting at first base is laughable at this point. Yeah. Um. I mean, I looked I looked at the first base production through the entire season. Um. And we are absolutely last in the league. We're hitting 203, 248, 368. We need something. Yeah. Uh, we need Yavarmonios. I'm just saying. We just need that, dude. Yeah, and to, 
so to repeat that, the first baseman this year, 203, 248, 368 is their slash line. And I, I know that you had a note as well that that's tied for the worst, uh, or they had the worst weighted on bat uh, base average in the league, right? Yep. So that whole sense of urgency thing is the biggest part for me, and it goes for both of these players. And I brought up Sale and Munoz together um, because I think it goes hand in hand. I mean, two Saturdays ago when Sale pitched at Worcester and he was over 70 pitches, I thought that was going to be the last start of his rehab. He had thrown five times he was over 70 pitches and then it came out that they scheduled another one where presumably he'd throw 80 pitches no he was up to 90 pitches I don't need those 90 pitches in Worcester I don't need those four and two-thirds innings with eight strikeouts at Worcester we needed that in Toronto last weekend and whether it was Friday or the doubleheader Saturday or Sunday we needed him in that Toronto series to break the slide and Maybe when they made that decision, they had only lost two or three games at that point, but it was getting to seven out of nine, eight out of ten, and unfortunately, they needed to make a switch. There needed to be some sort of sense of urgency there, and I know he's out riding through the countryside with the team on the bus, and he was traveling with the team, and it was a great story, and I love that, but... I think that that spark that he was providing and that good camaraderie might have helped out in Boston a little bit more than in Worcester over the last week or two. I don't know what you think about that. Oh, oh, I, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. Like, I mean, if you're getting to like 90 pitches and like a rehab start, yeah, you need that when you're facing like your AL East foe that you're trying to like battle out, right? To yep. make sure that you stay within, you know, playoff contingent. You need that dude. And yep. obviously, if it, he's getting to, like, 90 pitches, yeah, he could probably do that in Toronto. And we definitely needed that in that Toronto series because that series was just awful. So, yeah, it just really stinks. I, I, I echo your thoughts of just being so conservative when it comes to this team. Um either at the trade deadline, just with roster movement, just everything. I'm just like, come on, this team is yeah. better. And if there's no sense of urgency uh, from the general manager or ownership, at, whether it's the trade deadline or making moves, then it's not going to be in the clubhouse either. And I don't know that they felt that sense of urgency when they didn't get any reinforcements. And that's pretty much the exact time over the last two weeks that they went into a slide. Um, you know, did Tanner Houck really have to get sent down and not pitch for 10 days so that when he came back up for the doubleheader, he only goes into the fourth inning? He misses a start in that time. So I've got the Houck start and I've got the sale start that shouldn't have happened. And those are two starts where Perez and Richards got their asses kicked one more time when I think we all knew that the writing was on the wall. So Houck doesn't get out of the fourth inning and... Would we have lost those two games because the offense wasn't going either? Maybe. Or maybe Sale and Hoke are that spark in those two games in between that would have helped out. And this team has been so uh, obsessed with flexibility and having options for all of their players and keeping guys on the 40-man roster for as long as they can. But that's fine in April and May while you're trying to build a team for the long term throughout the season. But 
it's August. And when you're in first place and you're looking at October um, and early on, and then all of a sudden you're in second and you're looking at third and fourth place that are right behind you, uh, we're continuing to reward players who haven't produced in weeks. And the comment that you made about Dahlbeck and Franchi, I think, is spot on. In some cases, months. In Dahlbeck's case, I root for the guy more than anybody. But it's just not working right now. And they were trying Munoz at first base. you got to do something to give it a spark. And with flexibility, who are we saving on the 40-man? Man Andres has a 6.03 ERA this year. He has a 1.77 whip. He's given up 55 hits in 37 innings. I don't need to see that he's out on a rehab assignment and that we can't call up Munoz to be on the 40-man for him. I don't need to see Danny Santana, who's been on the IL twice. Um, He's not in your long-term plans. He's hitting 171 and over 100 at-bats. I don't know. Do you want to keep Santana and Andres over Munoz? Or, you know, you mentioned that 40-man flexibility. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, You're not crazy. I'm just going to... Just stand back and clap. I I totally echo everything that you said. Um, I totally feel just, yes, everything that you said. Yes, you were correct. We right. don't need, uh, we if you're in the, if you're like really getting in, you know, you're really competing, um, you're close to uh, getting into the playoffs, you don't need to, to pussyfoot things and try to be flexible and all this stuff. I totally echo everything that you just said. Yeah, and it's not all on Heim Bloom and yeah. or Alex Cora. I mean, yeah, we could have a whole other discussion of whether they should have gone over the luxury tax this year when they didn't last year and whether the penalties are worth, you know, a chance at a title. <laughs> I feel like, you know, you might make your money back in a playoff run and having people in the seats in August and September and however many playoff games in October in return for going over the, the luxury tax, which I'm sure they didn't want to do this year but are going to do next year. So that's a whole other discussion. But 40-man mm-hmm. maneuvering and options and stuff like that and sale throwing 90 pitches in Worcester is just... I'm, I'm seeing... Guys playing in Worcester while we're getting smoked in Boston that just yep. drove me over the edge. And I think probably blowing that lead last night 4-1 and, you know, it's tough with what are you going to do? I mean, you had to throw Whitlock. He's been fantastic. I heard on the broadcast last night that of anyone with 50 innings or more in the entire league, only Jacob deGrom had a lower ERA than Whitlock. <laughs> like. That's one of those where you just got to say, okay, we threw our best guy. We threw him out there for two innings. It didn't work. You have to throw Barnes. Yeah. What can you do? It's not like I blame the manager or anything like that. But I'm going to pretend that I didn't see that they were ahead 5 nothing going in to this <laughs> podcast because I still feel this way. But Hey, Delano DeShields was traded from Texas for cash considerations. <laughs> Hopefully that excites you uh, or is just as interesting. But uh, DeShields in Texas, 66 games before the trade with the minor league team, was hitting uh, 263. Once the eighth overall pick, a uh, ton of speed, 246 career hitter, a little bit of Texas, a little bit of Cleveland. Um, does Delano DeShields move the needle at all for you, Shelley? Um, not really. I guess it's a uh, uh, like a Marcus Wilson replacement. I mean, seriously, right? Uh, and that doesn't need I guess, to be on the forty. 
Yeah, I mean, like, the Shields, I guess, has MLB quote-unquote experience that Marcus Wilson didn't have, but yeah, seeing that, you know, DeShields is with the org, I'm just like, okay, I just, eh. Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's a good point. I mean, we could, we wanted that to be, or the, you know, the Boston organization wanted that to be Wilson, and when they moved him off the 40-man, the hope would yep. be that he would sneak through ra- waivers and they could um, move him off of that. DeShields is someone that was moved on from another organization from Texas um, that they don't need to put on the 40. So, exactly. That's AAA depth. He's had a couple big hits over the last few days, actually, since arriving at Worcester. And he does have speed, so you never know if they... uh, (laughs) They do have Duran up there, but you never know when an extra roster spot in a playoff game, you know, one-game playoff or something like that, where you can set your lineup for 26 players just for that specific game, that could be somewhere where DeShields makes a playoff appearance, but probably not in a series. A couple other names, 29-year-olds, a pair of them, uh, of pitchers. Jose DeLeon and Alex Claudio were signed to minor league contracts with the Boston organization. DeLeon once one of the great pitching prospects in all of baseball, but just derailed by numerous arm injuries, just really couldn't shake that. You know, he had a Tommy John early in his career and continued just to have arm injuries, was tried out in the bullpen. Um, 48 career innings, 8.44 ERA. He had thrown 12 innings this year, uh, you know, with Cincinnati. He had previously been with the Dodger and the Rays organizations. Uh, and then Claudio mostly pitched in his major league career with Texas, but also Milwaukee as well as the Angels. Um, 5.51 this year in 32 innings, but did have a 3.63 career ERA and still in his 20s. So uh, worth a flyer to you? Either of these excite you at all? Um, I guess they're worth a flyer, but I guess they don't really excite me either. Um, I mean, I, re- I was a big fan of the Jose De Leon kind of like uh, Renaissance um, and Cincy this year, but just didn't quite work out. Um, yeah. And knowing that Cincy moved um, away from them, because I mean they have you know drive line working there as well. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'm I'm glad that they're getting like another chance, but I am not really expecting a lot from both of these players. Yeah. And he had thrown 18 innings, uh, De Leon, excuse me, 18 innings with the Major League team for an 8.35 ERA, which was consistent with his career ERA uh, early on in the season. The Ks per nine are insane. Is 12.56 in his career. It was over 16 in his time in the big leagues this year and about 15 in the minor leagues. But the walks, 6.56 walks per nine, that's just not going to get it done it was continuing in the minor leagues, and it just seems to me that he cannot harness his control, whether that is his fault or not. Obviously, coming up early on before the arm surgeries, he didn't have that problem as much, but just seems that he's unable to get that control back after um, moving on. So we'll see. We'll see if they can find something from either of these pitchers and uh, try to figure that out in the minor leagues. Um, and then finally, before we get into a few minor league players, uh, Matt Andres and Ryan Brazier went out on rehab assignments to AAA. I won't say anything else about Andres. I'm sure he's a nice guy from 
shouldn't uh, continue on with what I did earlier. But Ryan Brazier, we know what he, what he brings to the table, and I don't think we expected to see him coming back in August. I know he had injury early in the year, and then he was hit in the head with a line drive, which I can't imagine what you know that's like to get back mentally and pitching back in the major leagues. He was hit with a line drive in the minors during his rehab. So obviously that set him back couple of months but it would be interesting to see they need an arm these uh, they're having to go to their bullpen obviously too much and i'm a little bit excited just to see what brazier brings to the table he has had some some hot streaks in the past moving on to the minor league notes uh let's start with jeter downs shall we what have you seen in the last seven days and we've talked about his strikeout issues has that improved at all uh, in recent weeks um sadly it has not um i i very really i'm i'm really concerned about uh downs's just swing and miss um there was kind of thing there was that was kind of a thing when he was with the you know the cincinnati reds um he did have some swing and miss and he went over to um the Dodgers organization he kind of changed his swing a little bit to where it cut down on that and added power but yeah since he's been with the with the Red Sox org like it's 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 really not good um uh, I just look at the last 15 days for 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 Jeter um again he's played 13 games in those 15 days um, so this is after he came back from the Olympic qualifiers. Um, he's hitting point zero eight seven, um, and struck out twenty times in forty six at bats. Uh, that's not good. No. Um, yeah, it's it's not good, and it's very very concerning. And it's like at this point, as much as I I like his talent. I, I, I'm going to just ask you, um, do you think that he needs to be demoted to double A to just at least get his, just his focus together, get his just. Yeah. Because... It's interesting. I mean, he never really played at that level. He had 12 yeah. games at that level at the yeah. end of 2019. And if you're regressing and as you just outlined, he is regressing. Um, last week, over seven days, he was 0 for 19 in that seven-day span. And in the afternoon game today, he was 0 for 4 with two Ks. So a 32% K rate on the season looks bad. But if he was making improvements month by month, there would be something to hang on to there. But he's not. And that's a really interesting point where you don't want this entire season to be a loss for him. And if going down and seeing some different pitching at a level that he never really got the chance to master, even if it's for two weeks to go down and just get some confidence, get some hits, and then end the season on a good note going into next year. I mean, I don't know how you don't want to lose his confidence. And he's hitting 183 on the season. And that's, (laughs) you know, a 267 OBP. Um, That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But I, I could see how it could be beneficial. It also, it also could be harmful, right? It could be even worse mentally for him. So I don't know. But if it continues, what you, you got to make some sort of change. I mean, we just talked about it at the major league level. Like you know, 
definition of insanity kind of thing, right? So, yeah, um, that's an interesting point, uh, and I guess it wouldn't be shocking to see. I guess let's go into some positive news. Nick York continues to be on fire. He has a 19-game hitting streak, a lot of hitting streaks in the minor leagues right now. Um, since the start of June, um, he has hit, or excuse me, uh, over over that 19 straight game hitting streak, I meant to say, he has a 382 average with a 467 OBP. And in that time, he has three homers, two steals, 15 RBI, and 15 runs. And after a slow start, he's up to 318 on the season. So uh, on the entire season, he has 11 steals, he has six homers, 36 RBI. But that 382 stretch in 19 games, where he was hot before that, but just kind of focusing on that hitting streak, um, two homers, two of those six homers coming up on Sunday. What do you think? Are we looking at a promotion uh, for York anytime soon? I mean, still really young for the level, just turning 19. Uh, yeah, I, I I really do think that there's going to be a promotion here soon. Um, it might be like late in the season, you know, because he is so young. So I understand why they're just kind of keeping him in low A, let him get a good feel. Um, and at the beginning of the season, he was really struggling, but he's like just totally gone gangbusters here lately. Uh, so yeah, I do think that it's going to be a late season uh, promotion to high A. Yeah. And I'm I'm just loving it. I mean, we got Nick York going gangbusters. Uh, we got Blaze Jordan, who was just recently promoted, but he was going he was hitting extremely well um, in the complex leagues down in Florida. So. Yeah, those two draft picks from last year, um, I'm feeling really good about that. Yeah, they. it's a totally different tune than I think that we were, were talking about back in May, even though Jordan hadn't made his debut yet. But yeah. um, now seeing this, and, and I know a lot of it had to do with the, the pick that they had lost last year, but going under slot in the first round with, with York and then getting Jordan later uh, and convincing him to, to sign a contract rather than go to college. I mean, this is, it's been a really good start. I even was listening to um, James Anderson on the Rotowire podcast, and he is talking about having Blaze Jordan in his top 50 prospects. That's how impressed he has been by him. Uh, in the early, I know that that's more of a fantasy aspect, but still, I mean, he's just been super impressed by that and how hard he's hitting the ball just right out of the gate and getting a promotion so quickly and thinking that he could rise even higher than that. I'm having the same excitement about York. May not have that power, but with the average and the speed and the defense and just playing at this level at such a young age, um, really excited to see this about York. Um, and then Brian Bayo wanted to mention that he had 11 strikeouts on Sunday. It was with four earned runs in five-plus innings. Um, but that was his second of his last three starts that had more than 10 Ks. And he's had five of those 10 plus K outings on the season. Uh, you know, ERA 3.82, but he's five and two and he has 103 strikeouts in 70 innings. So just good to see, you know, we haven't brought Bayo up in a couple of weeks, um, but just good to see him continue to, to strike batters out. Even if it is not with an elite ERA, he's still um, just figuring out that level. And um, I don't know any any thoughts on on Bayo. Um, no. Um, again, like um, I I I every time that he's out, I look at Satway. I'm like, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, he's getting better at each start at this higher level. 
um, and the strikeout stuff is still there, um, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Totally love it. Yeah, and I left out what that level is. That is Portland. He's at double A yeah. uh, after a, an elite start at a high Greenville earlier in the year. And then lastly, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Joe Davis, who hit six <laughs> home runs in his first 16 games at Greenville. Um, I still haven't reached out about getting you that jersey. I'll see what I can do this week, but uh, just I don't know if it how long it will last. But I'm riding this out while Joe Davis just keeps getting promoted and keeps hitting. I I absolutely love you know Big Joe Davis. I love the dude. I don't know how long it's gonna go, just like you just said. But whenever he gets promoted and just like smashes baseballs, I just oh I love you, Joe Davis. <laughs> That's a good way to end it. Uh, you can follow Shelly um, at ShellyV underscore 643. You can follow Pissed Off Bob at Bob Osgood 15 both of us on Twitter. Feel free to send us a question that we can use next week. Uh, didn't dive into the minor league levels as much as we did because we did kind of a megapod last week going level by level. So if you missed that, uh, we outlined multiple players from uh, AAA all the way down to the rookie levels. Um and the episode before that, we had Ian Cundall on to talk about the draft, which was uh, great fun as well. So a lot of good episodes that we've had recently. If you missed those, thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.